Welcome to the Food Therapy Podcast, where we talk honestly and openly about mental health, diet culture, BS, and food freedom. We're your co-hosts. I'm Brittany Modell, owner of Brittany Modell Nutrition and Wellness. And I'm Lauren Sharp, owner of Empower Method Nutrition. We are food freedom registered dietitians who have struggled with mental health, poor body image, and disordered eating behaviors. We are on a mission to dismantle diet culture, normalize conversations around mental health, and empower you as you heal your relationship with food and your body. Let's get talking. Hello, and welcome back to the Food Therapy Podcast. Today, we are joined by Grace Broder, who is a professional who helps professionals break procrastination and perfectionism tendencies so that they can feel fulfilled, calm, and confident. Welcome, Grace. Thank you, Lauren. It's really good to be here. Yes, we are so excited to have you. So I feel like Grace and I kind of stumbled upon each other by fate. And then I was like, wait, this is perfect. We have so many clients that are perfectionists. And a lot of the times you don't realize how perfectionism can be linked with procrastination. So I'm so excited to chat about that today. But tell us a little bit about you. How did you end up this in this space as a coach? What's your history? All the things. Yeah. So I actually started off in a completely different field. I got my master's in engineering. So it's been a very big pivot, but I think I always followed what I thought would be the best route, what would look good, be be successful, et cetera. And um, along the lines, I was like, I really want to build a service-based business. I wasn't feeling fulfilled in my work. And so it was a very large pivot in COVID when we all kind of had to go in and start reflecting and reevaluating our lives. I joined that trend. And um, I think when you go to build a service-based business, it's a lot more meaningful when you help people through struggles you've experienced yourself. And I had to work through a ton of perfectionism to get over the fear of starting a business and failing and to get over the fear of posting content and worrying what others thought. So naturally I started to really double down in this niche, you know, not only working through my problems, but starting to help people in that territory as well. That's awesome. And what made you, were you just, did you just have this like epiphany moment of like, I want to start my own business. What am I going to start it on? Yeah, that's a great question. So I had no idea, right? <laughs> especially when I had followed all the things I thought were successful or would make me feel successful. And uh, I had a great job, great pay, and I was living in a wonderful place, but I didn't feel fully satisfied or I didn't feel happy. And so it was a lot of just reflecting and trying to lose a lot of the other voices that that popped up or all the other fears. And I feel like as I began to do that more and more, and I started to question, you know, what would I do if I couldn't fail or what, you know, what might be possible? Um, I gravitated more towards the idea of a coach. Now, I think when we think of life coaching, when I immediately stumbled upon it, I was like, I love self-development. I love self-improvement. I love giving advice. This seems like a dream, but it's, you know, it felt like such a hard territory to break into. And so when I went in, I really wanted to go in with 
such an established niche territory um, because I think the more you niche down, the more people actually find you and the more you can become an expert in it. So that was kind of the transition, but it certainly didn't happen overnight. It took a lot of reflecting. Yeah. And is it reflecting that you were kind of doing yourself? Were you, um, you know, did you have someone guiding you of like, these are the questions you need to ask yourself? Like, how did you know what to do and how to ask yourself these questions? I didn't have anyone until uh, a couple months. And I actually found a therapist who was uh, a bit of a hybrid between a therapist and a coach. She helped a little bit, but it was a ton of, um, I would just set aside a whole hour in my morning. And I realized that's a bit of a luxury to have, you know, I don't have kids. And at the time I didn't have a partner. Um, so I could really do all the sort of self-care things between meditating, journaling, reading. I started reading a crazy amount and, uh, over time it just became more and more clear. Did you read about this type this topic or just in general, just absorbing different types of books and information? Yeah, it was, um, I, I later started to consume a lot of it, but I mostly just came back to reading about psychology and how your mindset works and how thoughts and emotions work together. That fascinated me. And I think in high school, it was my favorite class. Like psychology was my favorite class, but I was like, ah, I don't want to be a therapist or this is so much school or they don't make, you know, as much as I might make going into a business role or an engineering role. So I sort of cast it aside. And when I actually came back to it, it was like opening up the floodgates and I just wanted to consume everything. Yeah. That's amazing. So yeah, it's the same way. <laughs> I, I was going to say, it's amazing to have a, a brain that allows you to engage in something like engineering and also psychology. So I feel yeah. like it uses like such different parts of your brain. Totally. Yeah, no, I think that uh, I'm very transparent with all my clients I bring on and that I did have a different background, but I feel like the way my brain works with logic and systems translates a lot to how I coach and how I formulate things. <laughs> so I, I don't see it as a wash, even though it was a hard, it was a hard thing to study it. It served me really well. Yeah, that's so interesting. But yeah, I was the same way in the sense of like, I love psychology, but I had, I, I mean, hence why we have the food therapy podcast. It has a lot to do with mental health, but I literally, I was like, it was one of the subjects that, you know, you're just like, I literally don't even have to try and I'm just killing it. And I'm, I'm, I'm like, I don't understand how this is happening. And then I went to college and I was like, I can't do this. Cause I was essentially diagnosing myself with every single mental health disorder in the book. And I was like, that's it. I can't do this. And now, meanwhile, I was like, all right, well, I like nutrition. Let's go be a dietitian and now circle back. And there's so much psychology that's related to food freedom and, and, you know, everything, all the work that we do. So with that, a lot of Brittany and I's clients are very type A perfectionists. Um, Brittany and I are both also that way, which led to our struggles with food. But what are the first steps that you should take to recover from perfectionism? And how do you kind of, I guess, diagnose yourself with perfectionism? 
Yeah. So in terms of, I'll start with the diagnosis because I feel like awareness is the first step. You can't change what you're not aware of. And so when we think of perfectionism uh, by what most people define it as, I think it looks a lot different, right? We think of people doing things perfectly or your life must look perfect. And perfectionism is really more about associating a lot of your worth with your work or associating a lot of your worth with how you look. Mm -hmm. And so the ways that comes up is when there is a threat to doing something perfectly or when there is a threat to what others might think, right? Because you've relied on a lot of that external validation, we fall into this, you know, if I'm perfect, I don't have to you know, suffer the feelings of guilt, shame, whatever it may be. And so you strive for that. It doesn't necessarily mean you're there, but you think that that there is that chance of perfectionism uh, or perfect, I should say. And so when you are noticing that you're maybe people pleasing, or if you're noticing that you're maybe putting things off or procrastinating, but you're not a lazy person (laughs) because, you know, a lot of anxiety is coming up. I think those are some indicators. Um, I think uh, another really good one is you have so much to show for yourself, but you still have a lot of self-doubt. I think a lot of my clients resonate with that one. So in terms of how to move out of this, as soon as you're more aware of the places that perfectionism is showing up, The next place is total self-acceptance. And in order to make this, you have to make kind of peace with where where you're at in life and who you are. And I think that that can surface a lot of fear of, you know, if I accept where I'm at, I won't move forward. (laughs) Or if I'm no longer driven from fear, what will drive and motivate me? So that brings me to my next step, which is usually finding whys that don't aren't based in fear so that you're still progressing through because you'll still be a hard worker. You'll still care about your health. You'll still have other reasons and you have to kind of look to that instead of thinking if I let go of this image, I feel in debt to, then I'm not going to push myself forward and I'm not going to reach where I want to be. And as you move through total self-acceptance, I think it's helpful to really start examining your thoughts and gradually shifting them. And without any expectation of how that, however long your journey takes, I think it's a not very, not an overnight thing. And so you have to go in knowing that those negative critical thoughts will pop up and over time, just kind of questioning them, shifting them, and being even happy that you can recognize your uh, noticing the thoughts. I think a lot of us are not, um, we're not bringing the unconscious to the conscious and um, just accepting all our thoughts as facts. So as you do that progression, you can naturally start to kind of heal, have your own back, put your needs first. And it starts to fall apart a little, but I think it's a very, Long story short, I think it's a very multifaceted progression. And the more you can go in with this is a journey and it's possible to go through and I'm open to acceptance, uh, 
the easier it will actually be for you to move through it. Love that. It sounds like there's a lot of components that are very similar to what I do with my clients. I'm sure Brittany, you do too, with self-trust, right? A lot of times we're just not taught to trust ourselves and like trusting your gut can be really hard or trusting that your body knows what it needs to eat, et cetera. And a lot of times that leads us to overthinking and feeling like everything needs to be perfect, right? So you mentioned the fear of failure too. And how is that masked by perfectionism? Yeah. So, you know, if we don't try, we don't have to fail, I think is the brain's basic logic. And I completely agree with your point on trust. It's we fall into uh, what is most logical or what will other people think or, and we absorb all of that. And we, uh, we fall into this line of if I cannot fail or if I can just keep everybody happy, then I can remove a lot of this anxiety that comes up. That's ultimately our emotions and our feelings. They are driving all of our actions. And so when things make us uncomfortable, like failing or like someone commenting on us or whatever it may be, uh, we naturally gravitate away from that. So it's this sense of like, people might not even realize that they're stepping away from something because they're scared of failing. And it's just like, oh, well, I'm just a perfectionist. I just need everything to be perfect. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think a lot of people don't realize, uh, or when they come, a lot of clients who come to me are like, I feel like there's just this wall and I know there's something I want to do, but I have such a hard time getting around it. I know I want to do it. I know I should do it, but I have a really time getting from point A to point B. I hear this, Lauren, I'm curious to you. I hear this a lot with clients, even when it comes to like movement, it's like, it's something that they want to do, they know that they feel good when they move their bodies, but there is this wall that is stopping them from actually being able to partake in things that they know actually in the end make them feel really good. A hundred percent. Yeah. I hear it all the time where they're like, I don't understand why I don't have like the motivation or the (laughs) want to do it. And I'm like, well, what do you associate with exercise? And a lot of the times they're like, well, it has to be, you know, intense. It has to be really sweaty. And I'm like, well, what if we took the pressure of that off? And we just said like, let's just move, whether that's stretching or it's going for a walk or whatever it is. And when you take that pressure off, that exercise doesn't have to be this like, quote unquote, what perfect exercise is. Usually it, it breaks down that wall. So it's, that's a really good link between the two as well. Yeah. I think that perfectionist build up this big barrier to entry because we have this ideal image of whatever it looks like and that can show up in work and that can show up in exercise or how we eat Mm -hmm. and the harder that is to achieve the more resistant we are to actually starting it and the way i frame it is you have to attach more comfort with doing the thing and Uh, more discomfort with not doing it versus right now there's more discomfort with going at it because you recognize it will take a lot of time, effort, et cetera. And you associate more comfort with staying in place. Mm. 
Interesting. It's so interesting. I mean, psychology just in general is so interesting to me, but I've always been the person that like, it's really uncomfortable for me to stay stagnant because I have a very big growth mindset, but at the same time, it's not the best where I'm always looking to the next thing, you know? So, and it's weird how perfectionism can kind of manifest itself differently in different people. I'm sure you've seen such a variety of different types of perfectionists, but what are some things that like overall, most of the people that you work with struggle with? So all the clients who come to me are struggling with perfectionism and the way it usually shows up for them is they either know what they want and they're having a really time going after it. So for example, someone who wants to grow their business, but it brings up a ton of fear of failure, fear of success. So that's one place. And they could be procrastinating or not being consistent because they have such this ideal picture of where they want to be. And like I said, it's so hard to jump to that instead of failing along the way and forgiving yourself along the way. So that's one category. And next is They have all these ideas, but they are stuck in the, I don't know what is the best decision to make. So decision-making is such a pain point for perfectionists because like you said, we're kind of out of line with our internal compass and we're not trusting ourselves. And they live in the idea phase because the idea phase is the safe, comfortable spot. And picking one, we worry, okay, what if that's the wrong choice? So if I don't pick, I don't have to fail. Mm-hmm. And then the last category I see, and this is all through the lens of work, is I have no idea what I want to do, but I am very unhappy with where I am at. And when you have absorbed all those opinions and you have created your career based off what you thought success could be, it can be really hard to start to look and be like, okay, what can I entertain as an alternative possibility? Oftentimes because that in itself pulls up a ton of fear. And so think across the board, there's usually just a lot of anxiety, a lot of fear, and a lot of, like I said, my worth is my work or my worth is what I look like. So many interesting categories, but I can, I can see that all within myself <laughs> and my clients, but I, I always call myself like a recovering perfectionist because I, the awareness is there. I'm very much like, okay, my perfectionism is 100% hindering me from making this decision. Right. So a lot of the times I think you mentioned avoiding, right? Because we're, we have this fear of failure, this fear of not having the perfect outcome. So Obviously, you don't do the work that we do in the sense of relationship with food, but how can we, relating to that, how can we deal with this fear of, well, I don't want to heal my relationship with food because then my body's not going to be perfect, or I don't want to heal my relationship with food because I'm going to be, you know, out of control, right? So essentially, you obviously, that's not your expertise, but the how can we stop avoiding things out of fear of not having the perfect outcome? Yeah, I love this question. And while my coaching is purely perfectionism in the workplace, I myself have struggled with emotional eating and this desire to have a perfect body image and done a 
ton of healing from that. So I'll first say, if you are someone struggling with that, I completely hear you. And I know the struggle. And I, I know that feeling of if I let go of this ideal image I have of myself, then, you know, I'm not going to work out all the time that I'm usually working out or, you know, I'm going to go off the deep end with food. And I think that goes back to your point of not trusting yourself. And it also drills into the point of everything we're doing, right, is for how we perceive it will make us feel. And we think that having the perfect body or eating all the right foods will make us feel good. When in reality, making peace with our body and making peace with food and allowing ourselves to eat and be nourished and allowing ourselves to pick what we feel like eating rather than saying, I should eat something else and eating that very thing later, you know, that is when we will actually feel good. And so I think that's the key point I would drill home is just in order to make peace with it, you have to see that making peace is the very thing you're chasing after because mm. you're chasing after that feeling of inner peace <laughs> of just the silence of the chatter that's beating yourself up in your head. Yeah. And there are so many wonderful things that come on the other side. Like now I look at it as a gift and a freedom I have to stop eating something when I am full or to not have a thought about eating chocolate or whatever it is. I look at it as such a gift because for years I didn't have that. It was such a stress and it brought up a lot of anxiety and so uh, I will say firsthand, it can be so, so amazing to just go through this work and come out of the other side. And um, if you're a perfectionist, you're, you obviously care about, you know, your well-being. And I'll just say, like, you will continue to care even when you make peace with your image and, and peace with food. You will continue to exercise because it makes you feel good or you know, you'll stop yourself from binging an entire thing of ice cream because, you know, you can feel full and you no longer have that emotional hunger kind of driving your action. I think one of the reasons why intuitive eating is so hard for perfectionists is because they want to do everything right. And when it comes to intuitive eating, there is no right way of doing it. It's really a process of you know, curiosity and building non-judgmental awareness. And so when someone comes into this work after years of being, you know, perfect dieters, quote unquote, it's really challenging because they're like, well, I want to do all this right. And by doing it all that right, you're kind of turning it into another diet. Because um, this work really isn't binary and it's also not, you know, black and white. Yeah, I think they all are nothing is a big, one of the biggest struggles, right? The all or nothing thinking where I'm either intuitive eating or I'm not, or I'm on a diet or I might as well throw it all out the door. <laughs> and I think what I usually stress and drive to my clients is, you know, we're humans and not robots <laughs> and we will make mistakes. And it's, so important to be gentle with yourself and just be like, Oh, I noticed, um, I stopped intuitive eating or I noticed that, 
maybe I overate a little in this meal. I noticed I, I was moving away from this. And as you can be more gentle and fall into more noticing and observing rather than judging, I think it makes the process a bit easier. Yes. And it makes you be able to have more compassion for yourself and recognizing that it is quite literally a journey and it's not meant to be this perfect experience. It's, it's an experience where you can grow and evolve as a person. Exactly. I completely agree. What is this link between perfectionism and procrastination? So you obviously work a lot with people in the workplace and how do you see that happen with them where they're always procrastinating things and what is that link and what can you do about it? Sure. So the first thing I say is we don't avoid actions. We avoid feelings and when you're procrastinating something, a lot of people look to time management techniques. They read the books. They're like how to be more productive, right? But if you're time blocking your calendar or if you're sitting down to work on something that you've prioritized and done all the right things, if you haven't moved through the fears, then you're still going to be in this, you know, sort of analysis paralysis where you may not know where to start and that brings up anxiety or you don't know what decision to make and that brings up anxiety. And so I think we naturally grab our phones or grab a snack or whatever to just distract ourselves. And so that's the first place it comes up. We don't avoid actions, we avoid feelings. You have to figure out what feelings you are avoiding. The second thing I teach is that you have to work through that piece before you can really utilize time management, productivity. Those things will be helpful. But I think a lot of people I see come into working with me will be like, I feel like I've tried everything. And it must just be me. It must be that I have a motivation issue, a discipline issue, whatever it is. Um, and then the third thing I teach is the reason why a lot of those feelings are uncomfortable to you or a lot of them are coming up from the start is due to attaching worth with your work. And that really drives into the definition of perfectionism. But I think a lot of people can relate more to my worth means uh, my work or it's very important to me. And when there is a threat to how well you do it, or when there is a threat to letting others down or kind of a threat of not even knowing where to start, then you can fall into avoidance patterns when you can have your back and, you know, give yourself grace when you fail, when you can do things for you rather than how they look. And when you can learn how to kind of chunk things down um, so that instead of striving for perfectionism, you're just going for the next step, then it becomes a heck of a lot easier to actually work through things. So it sounds like all of those other things, like uh, what's that thing called? Um, the Pomodoro method. <laughs> yeah, they're all just masking the underlying problem that you need to address, whatever it is, your fear of failure, your fear of, you know, not looking a certain way, et cetera. Um, and you need to get down to the nitty gritty of it. Yeah, I think that technique is wonderful. And science really backs up that we can, uh, if we can utilize, you know, 25 minute, 15 minute blocks, that's great. 
But what I would find when I was procrastinating a lot in my career was that I would sit with the Pomodoro timer up and I would sit in front of my screen and I'm like in this sort of fight or flight stage. And and then I would just spiral into anxiousness of I have way too much to do and not enough time and then go distract myself, which made (laughs) no sense at all. (laughs) Story of my life. Story of my life. Yeah. I feel like perfectionism too. It's so interesting. I don't know if you have any clients that are this way, but I feel like a lot of times perfectionism, well, when I think of it, I'm like, okay, there's OCD, there's ADHD and there's perfectionism. Right. So I'm like, they can either all like kind of combine into each other or like you have symptoms of one or the other. And you're kind of like, what is it? Have you ever had any clients that have those I guess, mental health comorbidities? Yes, I see a ton of neurodivergent people. And I think they're, you're, that you're right. There's a strong link between a lot of it. I see it more in ADHD mm-hmm. uh, in terms of my clients that come to me, but there are some with OCD too. Mm-hmm. But I believe that you can almost bucket perfectionism under uh, mm-hmm. ADHD. So a lot of People with ADHD have perfectionism, but not all perfectionists have ADHD. But a lot of people with ADHD have the perfectionism because they've been operating in a neurotypical world and they're a neurodivergent person and they're shaming themselves along the way of like, why does this not come easier to me? And it's really hard for them to sometimes just sit down and get started. And everyone's like, just do it. And it's, it's really hard. And so they internalize that. And I think it can lead to these same behaviors, right. And can stem into perfectionism and then down to procrastination. Mm -hmm. But, uh, this, like all the work that I teach of, you know, starting to feel through the emotions rather than distracting and, uh, identifying why you're avoiding the task, you know, what feelings come up that can bucket under any of the three categories. Interesting. Well, this has been so amazing. Thanks for chatting us. Chatting with us. Yes, truly. It's kind of cool too. I mean, obviously you have your experiences with food and everything, but I always love when we talk to people who that's not like 100% what they focus on because it's just crazy how all of this is still intertwined, right? So tell everybody where they can follow you. I know your TikTok is amazing and how people can get in touch with you. Sure. Thank you. Uh, it was such a joy to be on this podcast and just chat with you guys, especially because I care so much about, you know, healing your relationship with your body and food. So you can find me on Instagram or TikTok at with Coach Grace or online at gracebroder.com. Hey, thanks so much, Grace. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Food Therapy. If you enjoyed what you heard and want to support our podcast, please subscribe, hit download, and share it with your community. We value your feedback. If you feel inspired, please leave a review. Let us know what you've learned and what you would like to hear next. All information about this episode will be linked in our show notes. New episodes of Food Therapy come out every Sunday, but you can stay connected with Food Therapy all week long by following us on Instagram at foodtherapypod. As a disclaimer, this podcast should not replace therapy or working with a registered dietitian. Thank you again, and we'll see you next week.